Welcome to the Sendcast. My name is Dale Pickles. I'm the Managing Director of B Squared and the host of the Sendcast. Every week, we'll be talking about a different topic within the world of special educational needs to improve our knowledge, to provide support to professionals working in schools, and to empower parents. In this episode, one of our regular guests, Fintan O'Regan, returns. For those who don't know Fintan, he's been a head teacher, lecturer for Leicester University, and now works as a trainer and consultant for schools and school support systems. So, what makes a good send inset? That is, that is our discussion for today. But before we get started, have you heard of the Virtual Send Conference? This is a conference we started running in 2019 that makes CPD around SEND more affordable, easy to access, and allows you to deliver CPD to the whole school around SEND. It runs every year over the internet, but you can watch videos whenever you need to as they are available on demand. For more information, visit www.trainingforeducation.com. At the end of the episode, I'll be giving you an exclusive discount code so you can save some money when you purchase access. Now on with the podcast. On this week's show, we are discussing what makes a great send inset. My guest is Fintan O'Regan. Fintan is a trainer and consultant for schools and school support systems, including social services, health, the police, and foster carers. Before this, he worked with a number of organisations, including Nason, Institute of Education, Leicester University, the UK ADHD Network, and the European ADHD Alliance. And before all of this, he was a head teacher of a specialist school for students with ADHD, ASD, and ODD. So, too many acronyms there, Fintan. But welcome to the show, Fintan. Thank you, Dale. It's a, it's a pleasure to be back in the studio talking to you. Excellent. So obviously the answer to what makes a great send inset is going to be using a session from the virtual send conference, but that would be a really short discussion. So what does make a great send inset? Well, that is one option, but the other one, of course, is, is to hire me um, because <laughs> uh, I hopefully would provide that, that service. In fact, I did, uh, I'm, I'm sort of really buzzing from a, an excellent uh, a session that I was able to conduct yesterday, but um, no. But the, the issue is is that um, we need to make sure that um, there's value, uh, value in terms of the time spent and uh, and and the cost spent on on SEN inset. And I think um, one of the things that's really uh, was always apparent to me when I was a head teacher was um, you know was was that there was a differing sense of quality really about some of the trainers and, and things that we used. So I think. I've come up, I've tried to put myself whenever I'm uh, speaking at any conference or doing any training in the place of the delegates. And I think there's a couple of things you want to do. Number one, you can't be boring. I think that's really important because people are uh, are busy and they want to be stimulated and they want to be informed. I think number two, you, you don't want to um, patronize people. Um, you do need to make sure that uh, the quality of what you're doing is set at the right level. And I think number three, you you know, you, you don't want to sort of try and just dominate proceedings. You really do need the delegates to um, to explain to you what are their particular issues, what are some of the different rhythms of, of the school. So just don't go in and be pompous and, as the trainer, don't have ego. I think those would be the first three things to take on board. I think you've got to use the APDR cycle. So when you're thinking about an inset and send, you've got to sit there and go, right, what is it we're not doing great? what is the angle we're taking at? Because you've got to work out 
you've got this session, you want to make it as effective as possible, tailored to that school's needs. And I've, I've done training with schools and I've gone in there and um, especially like on teams, when you're sitting there in the room, everyone's just sitting there and everyone's waiting. And I'm literally going, I don't know any of you lot. Yeah. I don't know who's leading this. And after a while you're going, are we ready to start? And they're like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And you're like, it's not being led. It's yeah. not being, yeah. whereas you want someone to lead and direct and know what's going on and know what they want out of the day. I think for me, is important that they said they they succumb to you and go we've booked you in but this is what our problems is this is what we want to focus yeah absolutely i mean the planning of a session is really important and, and speaking both to the in my case often it's to the senko or to the pastoral leaders um, and having communication with them not just on email but speaking to them on the phone is really important because what you want to also try to do is to get some of the messages um, across in a, in a in maybe in a different voice but it's sometimes you, you just need to understand what the school needs, requires, and what the staff are looking for. I think ideally, if you had the ability to go to the school, you know, in advance to sometimes to meet the staff, to have a chat with them about what some of the some of the issues are, that's not always possible. But you just do need to do some research. You know, you do need to do some planning. You do need to do in terms of whatever presentation you might have. You need to be able to uh, make it more bespoke to to the school that that you are going into, and that means communication, as I say, with the people who are at the school, because every school has different rhythms, every school has different needs, every school has a different sort of like a set of criteria, and you need to understand those particular issues before you go in and start presenting any slides or, or designing any particular uh, program for that school. I also think it's important to know like who's in the audience. We've we've discussed before many times that if you're delivering a session to teachers or to senior leaders, you're going to be really targeted at what we're So as soon as you're doing the TAs, the teachers and the senior leaders, yeah. you've kind of got to cater for everyone, which often isn't as effective. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, there are some things that you, that, that can, I, I've done whole school sessions for, um, uh, for the senior leadership, for the school staff, for the te teaching assistants and and sometimes the office staff if it's on behavior there's there's also uh, and and you know sometimes the playground supervisors but so therefore you make it you know pretty general in one sense but you, you're very specific in certain areas but obviously if you are with the senior leadership team you're talking a little bit more about you know strategic systems if you like really and maybe policies and procedures if you're talking to teachers you're talking about classroom interventions and and you're talking to TAs you're talking about classroom interventions as well. But actually what I try to do, actually, I mean, like a bit like we're doing this now, um, one of the things I've been doing, what, one of the issues sometimes is, is teachers and TAs not quite understanding how to work together. And I, one of the things I've been trying to do over the last few years is just talk about the fact that you are the two adults in the room. It's a double act. Yeah. You know, it, it's Anton Deck, you know, and even if the teacher, it, it's Simon and Garfunkel. And even if, you know, you're both, you're both sort of like, putting on a performance, you're both singing the songs. Maybe the teacher in this particular case might write the music, but you're both delivering, you know, the, 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 the performance on, on behalf of the children. So there's a little bit of that as well um, in terms of when you're working with, you know, different groups. And if you're working, obviously, at playground supervisors or you're working with other members of the organisation, you are making it very specific about the non-structured time. And, you know, so as I said, you can make things more specific sometimes with particular groups. But I think the number one thing is, is that you, as I said before, when you're doing training, you, you end up sometimes, I think people come back to me and say, well, we're doing this, but I might do something else differently. And I think that's the key thing. 
often in training, you might be confirming good practice. Yeah. But what I find, what I'm really after is sparking um, people to do things differently. And I think if you can get that going, then I think you've achieved, you know, a lot of your objectives. I think that's the thing. And um, I've been to many conferences and sometimes you've got someone talking about ideals and something which you sh you want to work towards, but we are talking, that's going to take three years to get there. And although I'm not in the classroom, I always sit there and go, you know what, there's nothing inspired me that I can even apply to my children. And there are things where I, I, and I like the sessions where I go, oh, well, I'm, I'm not, I could do that with my kids or I'm going to go talk to my primary school about it because I think that's a really good idea. But a lot of the time I talk to these things, it's really high level, it's talking about, and I want something where, the best one is, as you said, something where you finish that session and you're going, I'm going to do these five things. Or as a school, it's the start of something and there's going to be change. That's what you really want. Yeah, you really want people to sort of, when they leave your session, to be enthused and, and to can't wait to go and try some things, you know. And, you know, and often, as I said before, there are some staff who will say, well, we do that anyway. And that's fine because sometimes there's an idea that there's some magic solution out there and there's not. It's sometimes doing things in a more consistent way. But every now and again, you just show some different angles, I think, on, on how people might approach stuff. And I honestly, as a trainer, I try and practice what I preach in so much yeah. as I'm talking often about ADHD. So it's about children who need stimulation, who need, who might need organized movement. So I try to practice what I preach in my training. And actually I do say to uh, my delegates at the start of each session, if, if, if anything I say is boring to shout out boring, and fortunately, it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> but if it does, then I try to change my approach. So I think also in your design of, of your presentation, you do need to have obviously uh, some slides to obviously confirm what you're saying. But you do need to have uh, interaction with the staff, both in conversations and feedback. But also you need to have activities in order to generate movement, in order to stop people feeling bored. And, you know, and that's really crucial because, as I said, you know, you want people to be engaged. You want people to see the value. And at the same time, if some of the things you're doing in the training could be actually translated into classroom practice, then you've met, met that objective quite well. I find so we go and do training. We show people how to use our software and you spend 45 minutes going through the software saying, look, this is what you can get out of it. Does this, does this, does this, does this. And you just people sitting there just nodding. Yeah. No questions. You're literally going, are you happy? You got this? And you go, any questions? And they'll just look at you shaking their head. Then we have a break and then they sit down and use it. And it's in that is where people realize they're not on the same page or they understood it that way. They understood it this way. That's where you see one group, they're off. They got it and they're going. And another group are like, uh, I don't know how to, where to start. And you're like, okay. And you, so it's only those sessions when you often have that breakout part, you really get to check everyone's understanding rather than everyone just nodding in unison. Very much so. You do need to check on how it's being accepted or how it's being analysed or how it's being massaged around. And sometimes you do need to be slightly provocative in terms of getting some of the, um, the differences of opinion out there. So, for example, I might well say, you know, um, some people, if we're talking about ADHD and opposition, are these things... Uh, an explanation or an excuse. Now, you know, I'm, it's a bit of a loaded question that, but it's it's deliberately put in to generate conversation because what you're trying to do is get a sort of sense of how people feel 
about things. Because not everyone's going to feel the same way about SEND. Some people are going to see it as maybe kids getting away with stuff and if yeah. you're doing this. So you, you do need to do that. So you're trying to get the whole staff to work together because what we want is consistency, but we also want flexibility, you know, and those two things are, are what the objectives are. But you just, everyone will have, people will have different opinions. People will have different styles. We need to acknowledge that, you know, the staff are not robots, so they'll have different ways of doing things. But I think by giving them the opportunity to voice some of their opinions on things but trying to curtail it in a in a way that we're trying we're here today to try and help you know children to reach their potential I think that's the that's the issue but you do need to tease that out if you have a whole staff body because it's important that we are all understanding each other's ideas and styles and 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 frustrations as well as as well as some of the things we're trying to do to uh, to basically help support them in their teaching and learning and the students benefit from it. So, so as you said earlier, sometimes you're introducing new concepts or new ideas and some teachers, they've been doing that already, which is great because often what they can do is go, yeah, I've been doing this. And you go, oh, so what impact? And then they can talk about a situation or a child in that school where what they've done has changed that. And they go, oh, you know, little Jackie's doing this now, blah, blah, blah. That's the benefit of doing it this way. He no longer does this. And by as soon as you start having that within the school, they really start to see the benefit. And I think it is when you start to say people's understandings, if you end up with a, a room full of those who think, where half of them think uh, a, uh, like ADHD and that, maybe they're getting away with it, the other half go, we really need to support them. It helps people go, oh, well, why are they thinking this way? And I'm not. And having that difference of opinion, different ideas, helps conversation, but you, it helps people change that, okay, so why are they saying it? And they'll give experiences and it helps change people's attitudes. Absolutely. And I think, you know, what you've got to do is, as I said before, number one thing, what I tend to do training is the first part is to try and get the staff to try and see, try and tease that out and then get the staff to try and understand. Some of them get it, as we know, we know this very well, that the people that listen a lot to the Sencast are the people who probably are getting it most of the time. It's reaching the other people. But it's um, it's getting staff to... Um, to, for me, particularly in the areas I work, it's good to understand what developmental differences mean. And once that, once they get that, then they stop comparing each child to to another child. They start understanding that he or she is not, you know, is not hasn't got the same impulse control or concentration or reading skills as their peers. And then they start to feel less more empathy towards that child and then you can start to bring them into how to narrow that gap um and but it is a it is a process that i've learned over the years that you know you you just need to you you've got to you've got to you've got to sell a little bit here um and before you start giving them the strategies because otherwise they'll just say well i want to do that with him but they won't really it won't last unless you you do that. And I think the other thing I would say is that it used to really confuse me at some of the end of conferences where I'd be looking at someone, say it was something like a big conference for Senkos, and there'd be two or three people in the audience who would be nodding vigorously as I went through my session. Then they'd come up to me at the end and say to me, can you come to my school? And I used to find it really puzzling. I was thinking, well, we're obviously on the same page here. We're obviously thinking exactly the same way. Why do you want me to come to school? And it's because of that reason, because you're on the same page. Because what happens often is that the staff are hearing it from the Senko, but for whatever reason, some of those staff aren't hearing it. 
So I know that I'm invited in sometimes just to share the message. And I've seen it before that I've said something maybe on, on you know, in, in my session and the staff are talking to each other saying, that's a good idea. And the Senko comes back and says to me, I said that to him last week. Yes. <laughs> and, and it is very much that, you know, that, that old adage that you, you can't always be a prophet in your own country and you do need someone else to come along and to, um, you know, to say, even if it's the same thing, say it in a different voice or a different manner or a different style, and then people hear it. It is, it's, it's, it's quite, um, it, it was quite puzzling in the, in the early days of training, but now I get it. But it's something, it's something about when someone you know recommends something, you go, Finton, go watch this film, it's great. You go, yeah, yeah, and you won't, you're not interested. And then you'll see it somewhere else or something, and you'll finally watch, and you're like, Dad, I watched this great film. I said, you're going, yeah, I told you about that. Did you? It's that's when it's someone you know, when it's a friend, you kind of you're just you're kind of polite to people, aren't you? You say, like, yeah, 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 it's a great idea, but you don't really. When it comes from somewhere else, an external factor, it's kind of got more presence. It's got more emphasis, more more belief. Oh, oh, if he's saying that, and we've paid him to come in, well, it must be right. It is. It is puzzling. Or, oh, and I don't mean to be again. Or oh, I've written a book, so so it's come out of a book. You know, it's just sort of. It is a bit puzzling, but I think it is that, as you say, it's other people. Like I used to do a training course for parents, and on week one I might say to someone, it's not about behaviour, it's more about supporting mood. And on week three, after seeing them, a parent would say to another parent, it's not about behaviour, it's all about mood. And the person would go, oh, that's a good idea. So it, that's what you've got to do with training. I think you do have to nudge people. You have to sort of nudge them into a place where – they almost think it's their idea. Yes. <laughs> and, and if it comes from them, then that's even better. So there's, a, there's that first layer of, oh, he said it, comes from, he's written the book. So that's pretty good. And then if someone else gets it, but the other person doesn't, if the, that person then sells it to someone else and it's their idea, that's even better, you know, because then it's got much more long-lasting um, impact. Definitely. I think one of the things when it's an inset day is I think it's – I, I, I literally, I generally, I'm just going into school to do training. So it's quite, here's the software, here's what it's going to do, here's how you use it, kind of, it's quite simple. But on top of that, there is how it's going to be used in that school, what it's going to be replaced, what's the school's expectations, what's it all like this. And some schools, the senior leader will stand up at the beginning and explain all that, or they might say, in that meeting we had on Tuesday, we spent a lot of time discussing that. That was in preparation for this. They've done lots of groundwork to kind of get people thinking about that and framing it logically and kind of going, and this is going to fit into that. Remember that block we were talking about? We're going to, okay, yeah, that's where this is going to fit in. They're all going, ah, and they kind of get where we're going, what we're doing. And that really helps. It's that senior leader. Although you're doing the training on that day, the preparation with all the staff could have happened before. And that works really well. Where I go in and I go, oh, and this is this is B squared and we're going to do this with it. And all the staff look at you blank. And then halfway through, they've just got so many questions because they're confused about where this is going to fit in, what they're going to do with it. How do, what's the expectations? What's, what? And you just see there's a lot of confusion. And it is, again, making that, framing it all correctly at the beginning really helps. Yeah, you've got to have your objectives and people have got to see what the, I think there's a, I think you go in with to a mindset where you need to be trying to look at long-term changes 
Yeah. But you need to give them short-term options to achieve that. So there's got to be two two elements there, and it, and it does it does very much marry with the senior leadership team. And as I said, my experience now, I'm, I'm working with a lot of senkos who are on the senior leadership team. So obviously they can influence that. They didn't in the old days. So I think that impact is greater now. And, and sometimes in the old days, I did I was working with um, an assistant head or a deputy head, but these days it does tend to be the senko in my area, but not always. Um, I think just another couple of things, just to sort of, you know, and you do training quite a lot yourself as well, is is that, um, you know, you do need to make sure that um, you don't uh, overcomplicate things. Uh, there's a couple of things that are very important. You keep to time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm often talking about structure and routines and, and habits and things. So it's very important that you, you keep to that coffee break uh, time, you, you know, no matter how important it is. If it's a hard past, you don't want to be going to... to so like 22, you, you know, you might go to 31 minutes past, but you've got to keep those breaks. Um, I think people appreciate the fact that you are valuing, you know, their, 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 their time to sort of almost to, to massage things through as well. And I think the, the other thing really is, is to make sure that you do follow up as, as much as you can with, with the materials that you, you, you were going to say you were going to give people you can't then do a presentation on on a monday and then send the slides on thursday or friday or the you know the the, the because then people will have lost the issue so you've got to keep the momentum going and, and just one last thing i suppose really that i found which is quite interesting is it does help to have a few kind of phrases you know or, or terms that that basically people can can hold you know in in the future so I use a few like fairness isn't treating everyone the same. It's, it's giving them what they need. And, and you know, and, and that seems to work quite well. And I don't know whether you, I, I've got this, uh, this expression with no ducklings left behind. Like it's a, it's just ducklings walking into a grate. And at the end we show, and, and I know that people print those slides out and they, they, they put them up around the school. So there are some things that you, you not tricks, if you like, not tricks of the trade, but there's some, there's some things that I think help to generate the long lasting impact of what you're trying to achieve, as well as, you know, following through those objectives that you said you had clearly mapped out at the beginning. But I think those things, those little sayings, it's not the saying, it's what the saying stands for. That's the thing. So at my daughter's primary school, they had a saying is, what would Tom Daly do? Yeah. Which sounds very strange. But as a school, they had this amazing school trip. We went up to the Olympic Park and we watched Tom Daly train. And it was fabulous. He was in the pool, he was doing his diving, and there were teachers were teaching. So we watch him, but they're going, look, when he comes out, when his head pops out of the water, where is he looking? And his head pops out and he's looking at his coach to get that instant feedback. And he'd, he'd listen and get the feedback and then all that and jump off again and, and always getting that feedback. And, um, and sometimes he did a bad dive. Well, there was a splash and there shouldn't have been, all that sort of stuff. And like, well, what's he doing? He's trying again. All right. And it was just his coaching. And then for the next two years, what would Tom Daly do? And it took them back to that day. And well, what, how would Tom Daly? And it was just that phrase. And it was, you could even say it to teachers with a smile on your face. Because it was, oh, that's for the kids. You literally say, and it is a phrase yeah. which just sort of said, what would Tom Daly do? And it's taking that step back. I've got to go do it. Yeah, it was, it was great. And it meant, it's not like, what would Tom Daly do? You're not asking, it's a very specific um, impact reflection on something that happened. Yeah, I, I mean, I haven't heard that one before, but again, it's very absolutely, <laughs> as you say, it's very unique. It's very bespoke. 
but also if it works and it brings people back to that occasion, then, then, then it's worth its weight in gold because that's what you want to do. You want to leave some lasting impact. And this is not about ego. It's about trying to make sure that what, what you've been asked to do in a session is going to be transferable, not just, you know, this term, but, but in terms in the future. And, you, you know, we're all after changing and helping to support children's lives uh, who, who might be having difficulties in school. Um, and uh, if whatever, by whatever means possible, we can, we can maintain the momentum on that, then, then that's, what, that's what we should do. And, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, if it's a phrase like that, then fantastic. But all, all training, every training you ever do in your life is generally about making a positive change. Now, there is some training you've got to do every year, manual handling and stuff, which is uh, maintain. But generally, most of the training you do in your school is about a positive change, working towards positive outcomes for our school, improving. It might be, and occasionally you will go on a training session or, or inset and go, that doesn't work for us. It might be recommended. You might get Singapore mass. Let's do Singapore mass. One of those yeah. buzz ones. You get it in. You're like, this doesn't work for us. But sometimes that's reaffirmed and you ask questions. It makes you think about your current process. And even though the SAT session didn't help you, all it's done is told you that's not for us. That's reaffirmed your current practice, made you think about your current practice and what all the benefits are. You're absolutely right. That is exactly what it is. Because I think sometimes, I, and I say to my delegates, look, you know, just because I say this, this, this approach might work, it, if it doesn't feel comfortable for you and you don't believe in it, it, it won't work. You know, like I, I, I have an example of, uh, you know, I went to some training myself and uh, this was about de-escalation of aggression. And the guy was saying that you shouldn't walk in with your full, you know, your full frontal body armor on. You should, you should go in at the side and make yourself look smaller well that i that just would not i would not feel comfortable personally doing that and and, and because i don't feel comfortable doing that it would come across as being uncomfortable and the kids will turn around and say you've been on a training course you know because it just won't feel natural so i think my point is that you know even though you're getting some advice about how to do certain things you need to make it work for you. You, you know, you need to massage it around and see how you can interpret the ideas, the strategies, and implement them. Because otherwise, it just won't come across as feeling natural, and it's probably not going to work very effectively. And I suppose again, it's, it's taking about that is how he delivers that concept. And I suppose what the thing is, what you're doing is, is if if I stood up and walked straight up to you, Fintan, you'd be quite all. And that's what he's trying to avoid that. So for me, what I would do is probably walk in, but not walk up to them. Go get a chair from over there. Correct. Even if there's a chair next Correct. to them, go get that chair over there. So, oh, he's not, he's not rushing in to have a go at me. He's just, you know, it's, it's, yeah, that doesn't work for me, but understanding the point of it. Sit down. I mean, you're absolutely right. In fact, there was an incident yesterday and I was saying to people about sometimes you don't, you know, it's just exactly that. That doesn't mean that the concept of what he's saying is, is not to be so intimidating with your body language. We all know that can be and wagging fingers at people versus, you know, putting it maybe to your lips, whatever. It can make a very different thing. But just example, brilliant like that. I was talking to someone yesterday about this and about how he said, well, 
you know, when I had said the student outside of the room once, and he's a big guy, he's a bit like you, he's about six foot four and stuff. And when he goes outside the room, what he does is he has a child outside the room. He doesn't stand over them. He brings a chair outside the room and he sits on the chair <laughs> and he's talking to the student on a chair outside the room in order to get him back in the room, obviously. And it's a great example of, as you say, of someone, you know, being told exactly what you've just said and interpreting it in a way that, that worked for them. And that's, 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 that's effective. That's very good training, but also it's very good um, a simulation by the delegate of of that 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 train for someone who is not six i'm six three but for someone yeah you just sit there and your eye level compared to the average eye is miles down so i spend a lot of time slouching which isn't great for my body so yeah for me um i spend a lot of time sitting or i'm sitting on a bar stool at an exhibition so i'm at the same eye level because it's a much better sitting connection. on a bar stool i've heard that quite a lot though haven't you? i'm not leaning <laughs> against a bar <laughs> <laughs> But it is, it is about lots of little things and you take that and you're like, well, how does that work for me? And I think that's with all training. If you said, do this, 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 what we all know, for five children in your class, it won't work the same way for all of them. So it's, what's the reason? I think as a part of the training is, is not just saying you do this, but you're trying to explain the reasons why. So they take the reasons and find your own way. Going back to that first part, so I think, you know, trying to get them to understand, I mean, when we're talking about SEN, there is, there is no doubt. You don't want to spend so much time on what are the symptoms, what are the traits, because most people are aware now. I say most people, some people still need to have that reminded, but it is about just saying how individuals might interpret and see things differently. Um, and then the reason for why you might do something differently. I think the other thing just to sort of say in my own experience is that, you know, you, you, you do tend to have, if you go to, you do tend to have three types of staff, if you like, really. You've got those that get the quirkier kids. You've got those that find the quirkier kids hard. You've got those in the middle who, who sometimes vary their approach. And I think if you sometimes, if you've got that group, you, you do need to sort of pitch sometimes towards the, the middle band, so yeah. to speak, with a view of confirming and getting them on board. And then you sort of try to work a little bit harder maybe with some of the, the, the other band that doesn't quite get it. Because from them, their perspective, you know, they are, they're, 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 they're lovely people. One of the things I find is that they're, they're, their frustrations is that, you know, one child is maybe dominating too much of their time or too much of the classroom setting. And how do you how do you meet the you know the, the expectations of the other kids? But we go back to that issue of once you show them that there's some different ways of teaching generally and getting people on board generally, the aim is is also to improve their overall teaching practice for everybody. Yeah. And if you can get like for example with ADHD, I don't think anybody would 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 disagree that people sitting down, you know, for like 40, 50, 60 minutes is not always beneficial towards them learning. They need some movement. Now, some kids need more movement than others, and we structure that. But getting some of those principles across, once the light goes on that it could benefit everybody, then you've really got your whole staff, you know, you're really flowing. And that's and you get some days, let's face it, you get some days where, um, you know, you as a trainer will be more successful than others in achieving that. You have to take that on the chin that sometimes you're not going to influence everybody in the same way. Um, and you do have days where, you know, 
some of the things you you say or, or some of the conversations that that come out of the training you know work work better than others and you know but what you're trying to do always is just you know is keep the message going and and just making sure that you don't um you don't i suppose you're always trying to be like we're trying to practice what we preach so we're talking always we're trying to be proactive as opposed to reactive and that's in all such situations that that's very hard to be proactive rather than reactive and you might go in a situation where in, where you're going in to talk about this and you've been working with a school but the week before there's been a, quite a bad incident and it can leave a bad taste in people's mouths and they come to your training and they're still holding on to that instant from last week. So whatever you say, they just be firing that instant. And it's, that could be quite a challenge, I think, because you're talking about the behavior side of things. That could be a real challenge. How would you deal with that, Finton? Yeah, I mean, I think you, 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 you do have to make sure that you, you understand the needs of the audience. You really do understand the needs of the audience. You need to also understand their frustrations are real. At the same time, what you're trying to do is to get them to do things maybe differently the next time. You know, now if what they did was was you know was what they did and it still didn't work, then you know. But there's always room for changing your approach. It might have been you know how and when you spoke to this child. It might have been who he spoke to. Like for example, you know, I'll give you an example. A lot of students, what we tend to do in schools. Is particularly for students who have oppositional defiant ASD features. When they maybe um, react to a teacher, we tend to send them to the more senior teacher or the headmaster. Now, if you've told the teacher to go fly a kite, and you tell the head teacher to go fly, what's going to happen? If you tell the head teacher to go fly a kite higher, then the system will take over. Your your system is hierarchical. You get sent up, and that's going to lead to. So, but what happens is if sending them to a more hierarchical figure and this is what i find sometimes which, which will happen with children with asc and with ODD, it will not just it will increase the anxiety it will make them more anxious it will fire make them more stressed so that system therefore is just not working what might have to happen is that the next time that happens you send them to someone who's less hierarchical who would reduce the anxiety reduce the stress and therefore, then the senior teachers can, can get involved at a later stage. So, so to a certain extent, you you know, these are all opportunities, if you like, to improve your practice. Now, I, I'll be honest with you, and this came from experience because I was a head teacher of a special school. And when there was times when students were being sent to me, I just seemed to be making it worse. And, and I thought initially it's because I'm not in the classroom enough and I'm losing my touch. But I realized after a while it wasn't just that. It might have been a bit of that. It was just the fact that I was raising the anxiety. Now, the policies we had were always to send them to a more hierarchical figure. And what we started to do then was send them to a less hierarchical figure when they're in that, in that sort of five out of ten phase to get them down to a two or three, and then I could get involved or a senior member of staff later. So to answer your question, any incident, any situation is an opportunity to um, to look at how to do things maybe differently next time. I think one of the things you've got to do in those situations is look at what you've done and what you've just talked about. We did a podcast on the power of mood a long time ago. If you go to the um, Sencast website and certainly look for Finton, you'll find it. We did a power of mood, which is how you impact all those situations. We talked about going to see the head teacher, standing outside the head's office, how actually all of that is just making the situation worse. And you might think, well, that's what we've always done, which is a word phrase I hate. Well, that's what happened when I was at school. 
another phrase I hate, because there's so much research goes on. There's so much practice we learn from that we should be applying. So try what's if you're trying something different, what's the worst that can happen? Have a can of Dr. Pepper. And what's the worst that can happen? Well, as you know, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a big, you know, I'm a big supporter of talking about mood versus behavior, but I'm a big, as opposed to, a, we're not going to just publicize everything here today, but <laughs> as opposed to something else that I'm interested in, which is, you know, the issues of, 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 of uh, permanent exclusion, where we carry on doing fixed term exclusions before we reach the, the number that we have. And that's just, again, you know, it, it's, it's just, it, it just, the kindest word I can say that puzzles me why we carry on doing the same thing time after time after time when it doesn't work. And, and um, just as an aside to that, you know you've got a problem when you start giving, so you talk about anachronisms at the start of this term, where now something's happening so often that you're now not even saying permanent exclusion, you're saying PECs. And you're saying, you know, for fixed term, it's losing facts. So, so you, when, you, when you've got anachronisms for things, then you know that's an issue uh, we need yes. to be looking at. But the general point you're making is that, you know, we do need to occasionally use training as a vehicle to look at not just, you know, strategies in the classroom, but, but policy change and some procedural change. And I have been to schools where, you know, for example, that issue we're talking about in sending them up to hard has changed and 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 that has benefited both the students and staff and 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 you know the incidents have been reduced because of that one way of flipping something upside down from what it from what traditionally it did so going back to what makes a great inset so we've talked about you know that as somebody who goes in you prepare and you talk to school beforehand and i was sort of saying that it the senior leaders need to pave the way for the session and lay the foundations so that you're going to deliver the house, you're going to deliver the goods, but that's not the end of it either. So for this, to me, there's, you've got to follow it up. You've got to look at the impacts and have a, maybe another twilight session following up and what's the and discuss the impact. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that is just, you know, that is really important. Now it's, it's sometimes harder to do geographically depending on, the live session, but you can certainly do that on, you know, with electronic means. And so, yes, I mean, that's the ideal scenario to carry on, to, to, to carry on, to sort of like generate the momentum and, and, and also to, to maybe to adapt some of the things that initially were the, were, were, were talked about and seeing whether they can make them more specific for, for, you know, for that individual school. And, and that's the, and, and, you know, and I, in an ideal world, you, you'd like to, you'd like to be able to do that every sort of, you know, six months, I suppose, really, but that's not always possible because of budgets and, and you know, and, and everything else. But that's that's the ideal scenario. But it isn't just a one hit wonder. It really should be, a, you know, a, a follow up, um, you know, a session or, or, or conversation or meeting in order to see how that could be implemented. If you think about programs like uh, Super Nanny or even Eat Well for Less. Generally, the first part of the program is showing the problems. You're finding out about the problems. And the middle part, the main chunk, is that training. It is teaching them. And then they're always left on their own. Yeah. And the cameras might be there, but they're left on their own. And they always come back and go, well, we've left you for a week. How's it been? And then that's the bit. It's that reflection on, well, this happened. So what did you do? And Okay, you did that. And they might even at that point, having that literally go, 
I did that and I shouldn't have. And it, even just having that conversation, it doesn't have to be an external person, but getting some time in, the person who's been leading on it, asking those questions and trying to get examples, it really helps embed it. Absolutely. I mean, you do day one, you know, when you're trying something diff new, it's not always going to work out as, as you know, as, as it was like talked about the day before. So you just need to look at what are, what, why, you know, why things either didn't happen or why they did happen. And I think you can learn from both. But in both in those scenarios, you do need to have a, a record of that. You do need to be talking about, you know, those particular in incidents and situations and to be refining uh, or reviewing your approach. And, you know, the, the principles that were probably there are still solid, but how you how you interpret those and how and how people react to them does need some uh, you know a bit a few a few nips and tucks you know or some fine tuning uh, or whatever and and again I think the reason it doesn't happen is is generally speaking because of time and and because of resources but I think it is you know to be really as we're saying to be a great school inset then then really it is very very necessary to do that. I suppose because if one of the things you want that long-term change, a short-term and long-term, and if you're just literally going to one of Finton's or having Finton come in, it's literally like going to watch the cinema and go, that was a good film, and then walking out and thinking, another it again. There's no real point. It's a yeah. lovely two hours listening to Finton, but actually the whole point of Finton coming to your school or any trainer coming to your school is change. And if you maybe look back at some of your previous insets, like the last three insets you had pre, when you actually had them in place, pre-COVID, things like that. Has that changed your score? Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you, you know, I would I would slightly disagree with the fact that you can't achieve quite a lot from just one film, so to speak. But I think, but I think you know, you can make an impact on that. But your lasting impact is, has definitely been with schools that I've been able to track because, you know, often I'm not a, able to sort of, I'm not involved with some of the other, you know, because the things are... There's lots of other, you know, lots of other priorities for schools. And, you know, the SCN is just one of them. But there is no doubt that the schools that I've been able to, um, you know, to, to work with on a more sort of uh, regular basis, then you do see a greater long lasting change. Um, having said that, you know, I am still sort of aware of schools that have, you know, adapted some of the things I've done. I always leave, for example, my slides and my materials with them and some often the case there are you know people who who will ref, you know will, will do that internally in the school I'll liaise with them so there are different ways of doing it but there's no doubt that you know having that having that some relationship with with a school or with an organization you know that represents schools or with a, a trust or or with you know some other committee that runs a number of schools is it does provide the greatest benefit definitely so um getting towards the end so Anything you want to add that we haven't covered? I think you just need to make sure any great school insert, you've got the coffee ready and uh, and uh, and tea ready at the time. Um, again, if it's an end of day insert, you just need to make sure you let people uh, out on time. And I think also the other thing is is offering them the opportunity to um, to contact you. Um, you know, maybe because at the end of a school inset, if you say to someone, right, does anyone have any questions? You know that about 
you know, there's 10% of people who really want to ask questions and the 90% want to go. <laughs> it's as simple as that. And so people, the 10% will be less likely to ask that question uh, because they know the 90% really want to go. We've got to appreciate it. Hopefully they all want to ask questions, but it's at the end, if you should have left time for questions, but if you don't, and you get to that point where people need to go, you've got to keep to time, then you need to let people have the opportunity to contact you. Or first of all, you've got to, you've got to be prepared to stay behind. It is not cool to be running out of the door at the end of your session. That is not cool to be catching a train or a plane or whatever you're doing. You need to be available for people who want to come up and talk to you after the session. And in my experience, what I also do is I offer people my email and phone to, to phone me if they don't have time to wait on that day. Um, because the reason is, is that, and there's two reasons that one is people don't have time. And sometimes people won't ask a question in front of their colleagues if they think it's not a very, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a valid question. It's a bit like having a, they won't ask the question, but they might ask you in a different medium later on. And there might also be something they're thinking about, not just to do with school. It might be something to do with their own child, which they're interested in as well. And I'm, I'm, I'm very always happy to offer people my details in order to, to talk to them about that if they think there's something I can help and support them with as well. So I think it's you need to give people opportunity to, um, to let you know uh, questions they have. Uh, you need to, in my view, be available, uh, certainly after the session, not running out the door. You need to leave your details for people to follow up with you um, uh, afterwards as well. So I think those things are, are really quite important. I think I think a lot of the guests on the Sendcast who, who also do training, they also leave their details. They're like, yeah, contact me, call me, contact me. I'm here to help. I'm here to make that change. They really believe in what they're delivering. Uh, for me, my last bits I want to add in is look back at your last few insets. Look at what has the impact been? Has it has there been an impact? And try and work out maybe if not why not think about some of the things we've covered and when you you're thinking about an inset you're thinking oh adhd we should just get finton into something about adhd that's not enough you've got to have a reason a drive and a plan otherwise you'll get finton in you'll he'll do his session he'll put all his effort in but the effort's not going to be reciprocated so always think about what are we working towards what are the outcomes we're looking for laying laying the foundations first so before Finton's come they're not going to go oh who's coming and what we're doing they really know you're leading up to it you've got the main session and then as a school how are you going to continue that on I think that's really important uh, absolutely you know it's 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 the start of the journey it's not it's certainly not the uh, it, it's it's setting the tones it's setting the, the 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 wheels in motion if you like whatever metaphor we're going to give but at the same time it is it is uh, it is just part of what you're trying to achieve as a school in terms of your longer term objectives definitely so thank you for coming on the show today Fintum Pleasure, Dale, as always. Excellent. Finton's given me a number of links, uh, which we'll be sharing, um, and you'll find those in the show notes. Um, and I'll also be sharing Finton's contact details. And you can find the show notes wherever you listen to the podcast or out on our website, which is www.thesendcast.com. So thank you for listening to the show. If you haven't subscribed already, you can subscribe by going to our website. And on the homepage, you'll find links to all the different podcast platforms where you can subscribe. Please join us on social media. Follow us on Twitter at The Sendcast, on Facebook, The Sendcast, on Instagram, The Sendcast. 
And if you want to get in touch, let us know your thoughts, suggest topics or anything else, please send an email to hello at thesendcast.com. And if you've enjoyed the Sendcast, why not look into the virtual Send conference? Like the Sendcast, this is run by B Squared and it covers all aspects of SEND. And what makes the conference different, did initially, but everyone's joined on the bandwagon, is it's accessed across the internet. The conference runs every year in May, and each conference has 12 highly valuable sessions designed to help classroom-based practice. Everything we've talked about today, you'll find the sessions try and deliver that, and the contact details are there for the speakers. You can buy tickets for future events or past events. The videos are always available. And the cost for each conference is £60. This covers the entire school, not per person. And as a listener to the Sendcast, we're offering you an exclusive 10% discount just using the code SENDCAST10. So thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the SENDCAST. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from him. Thank you very much. Two goodbyes from me. Bye.